Ever since the phenopepla turned up outside Duluth last week, I've been thinking about when I first discovered this lovely bird. In 1982, when our baby Joey was six months old, Russ had a meeting in Las Vegas and we made it into a family vacation. This was the very first time I'd ever been in the Southwest, and I saw phenopeplas first at Sunset Park in Las Vegas and then in several places in southeastern Arizona. Russ's parents had gone to Arizona a year or two before we did that first time, and Russ's dad was utterly taken with phenopeplas. They often sit on conspicuous perches and so are a characteristic desert bird that non-birders are likely to notice. But I think Russ's dad especially liked their name. I remember him holding baby Joey and saying, Did you see a phenopepla? It's a fun word that even my two-year-old grandson Walter likes to say. The unusual but cool-sounding word comes from the bird's scientific name, Phenopepla nitens. In Greek, phenos means shining and peplos means robe. In Latin, nitens means shining, emphasizing that lovely quality. The phenopepla belongs to the silky flycatcher family, which was once part of the waxwing family. Like waxwings, phenopeplas sally out to catch insects from conspicuous perches and then return where they started out or alight on another conspicuous perch. Like waxwings, phenopeplas also eat a lot of fruit, especially desert mistletoe and they have a uniquely adapted stomach to extract as much nutrition from desert mistletoe berries as possible. As with most berries, the seed and pulp hold almost all the nutrition, but the much less digestible skin makes those nutrients hard to access for animals that swallow berries whole. To get enough food value, phenopeplas must eat a lot of mistletoe berries, as many as 1,100 in a single day. They devour enough to stuff their crop, a pouch in the esophagus, to capacity, and then they retreat to a perch to quietly digest the feast. The phenopepla's muscular stomach chamber, or gizzard, is very tiny, processing one berry at a time by contracting to squeeze the seed and semi-liquid pulp directly into the small intestine as the berry's sturdy outer skin remains in the gizzard. One by one, the berries run through the gizzard like this, the digestible pulp and seeds entering and running through the intestines as the skins accumulate in the gizzard in a compact mass. When that mass builds to about 10 or 20 packed skins, the gizzard ejects it into the small intestine in a bolus separate from the pulp and seeds. As far as I can find, the phenopepla is the only known bird able to shuck the outer coatings of berries like this. Between swallowing the berry and it coming out the other end takes only about 12 minutes, making the system as fast as it is efficient. Phenopeplas arrive in their breeding grounds in the United States between February and April. The birds in Arizona and California, the most well-studied populations, breed in two distinct habitats at two different times of the year. Between February and April, they breed in Arizona's Sonoran Desert and California's Colorado Desert. 
In May, as summer heat intensifies and berry supplies dwindle, the birds appear in oak and sycamore canyons where they breed through July. Nesting phainopeplas behave quite differently in the two habitats. In the desert, mated pairs are extremely territorial, probably because desert mistletoe parasitizes the same trees over and over, producing a stable, long-lasting supply of berries close to where each pair of birds nests. But in the oak and sycamore woodlands where they nest in summer, phainopeplas nest in loose colonies of from 3 to 15 pairs, feeding on such fruits as redberry and elderberry, which grow away from their shaded nest sites. In this habitat, foraging phainopeplas lose less from sharing the fruits than they benefit from more eyes searching out new fruiting plants and noticing and helping mob nest predators. So far, researchers have not figured out whether the desert-nesting phainopeplas in Arizona and California are the same individuals that then nest in woodlands that same year, or if these are two different breeding populations. Either way is unique, befitting a bird with such a unique and fun-to-say name. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.